0: One guy's a three time Pro Bowler. The other's a three time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year. And together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wilde and John Coon. It is episode six of the John Coon Podcast. I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it for the first time in the history of our podcast. What are you saying? Jason Wilde here. <laughs> there we
1: go. I was I was <laughs> so episode whatever we are. I was wondering how long it was going to take you just come on and you just say my name every time. It's it's just
0: awkward. It's that's what little, I do. It's
1: it's a little awkward, <laughs> but you are good at being awkward. You're great at it.
0: We all have strengths, that's for sure. Uh, so we're recording this week uh, in advance of the bye for Sunday, so the Packers have the Sunday off as they are eight and two going in, and we'll talk about what happened. Uh, in the game against the Carolina Panthers. We'll take a little bit of a look ahead to the San Francisco 49ers who played on Monday Night Football. In or do we save
1: game. that for next
0: week? We, we won't get too deep into that, okay. I promise.
1: Well, surface level. But, we are going to talk about their game last night. That was unbelievable. Absolutely. And What did you think at the end of that? What did you think first? I okay. I got a couple. I have a couple takes. Ooh, for you. Are they flaming I, hot I, I because couple, it's really cold well, I, in this room? And well, if you,
0: the hotter your takes, the warmer it'll be in here.
1: Yeah. Well, this space heater is only big enough for one of it us. It is pointed <laughs> at you.
0: I've got icicles on my nose, and you're like, Oh, I got my t-shirt on. I feel very warm.
1: Um, I, I want to know. I want to know what you thought. Did you think either one of those teams looked looked imposing? I, I mean, I, I saw those as probably. Two of the three biggest hurdles that the Packers may have to face here if and when the playoff scenario comes down. It, did either one of those teams strike you as completely menacing, imposing, uh, terrifying to you?
0: So, so Sunday night football, I had watched the Vikings and the Cowboys as I was finishing my writing from the Packers' victory over the Carolina Panthers. To me, there are five... Super Bowl quality NFC teams. Two of them were on television on Monday Night Football Seattle, San Francisco. The New Orleans Saints, the Green Bay Packers, and the team that seems to be figuring it out, even though I don't think very highly of their quarterback, that makes me a little nervous, especially since the Packers have to play them at their place. Mm-hmm is Minnesota. Yeah. So
1: you just right now the NFC East you could kick them out the door. You don't you don't care to even discuss Whether them, it's Philly or caliber. or Dallas. yeah just just I mean Philly beat us here That's without true. a cornerback. That's they true. They literally signed a guy off the street with like 3 quarters of experience and And he broke up and, the yes, play at the end. Yes. Up, we we couldn't even find him on the flip card because his name wasn't on there. But so you're just dismissing Well, Philly. I'm just
0: saying that for
1: both With fairly, that run game, they got two guys they do. that run very, very well.
0: So though the the, the NFC East team, whoever comes out of there, I think... You know my theory on NFL teams, right? We've talked about this when you filled in on Wilde and Tausch, right? Everyone is flawed. I'm convinced that every single team is flawed, and it's a question of which teams have the ability to camouflage those... Flaws, the best
1: they, I, and and I think you touched it right there it's it's who can actually hide their flaws protect their flaws and not get exposed like some of these other teams and even we have for moments in time throughout the course of a season those are the teams that that end up looking dominant that finish with twelve thirteen fourteen wins and and cruise to a first round by and, and 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 even further but I want to go back to my original question so mm-hmm with the 49ers and the Seahawks and the Seahawks always just because the history that I have with them and the Packers have with them I always just, and and as long as Russell Wilson plays for them, I will have the same feeling about the Seahawks and then the 49ers because they were undefeated and they were just smoking some teams there for a couple weeks. I I was curious really uh, curious to watch this game and I watched it and I thought
0: you're not scared.
1: Oh boy, now
0: They're both good. Now,
1: now I'm not saying. I'm just saying this isn't. I'm not worried. Well, I mean, they're they're a tough team. It's going to be a tough game, especially the 49ers on the road and the Seahawks if we would have to play them in the playoffs on the road. Yeah, those are tough atmospheres, which makes the game so much more difficult. But neither team did I look at and I say, oh, well, they're just stacked, loaded from top to bottom. Like they, They do have some spots.
0: And they both turned the ball over last night um i i I look at those five teams that I mentioned, and Philly and Dallas are both five and four. They're going they're both in a spot where they're not playing their best and they could peak at the right time and they both change have my tough, opinion about and
1: they have tough schedules coming right? down the stretch. They might finish it a winner in that division might be eight and eight.
0: So the way I look at those other teams that I mentioned are they all have shortcomings that are pretty significant, right? I mean, whether you feel good about Dalvin Cook and the weapons that the Vikings have, you still have apprehension, if you're a Vikings fan, about whether Kirk Cousins can get it done in the clutch.
1: Even though the last four or five games he's thrown 15 touchdowns and in one interception?
0: Yes, I still think in clutch situations, <laughs> Vikings fans are scared. No, I right? I,
1: I agree, too, because it, on, on the outside, you would say, going down to Dallas, Sunday night football, beating them you know in a tough... A uh, hard-fought game, the way that they did, you know, super impressive win for Kirk Cousins. But then I thought, you know, Dallas, Dallas didn't really play us too well when we went down there and played them. Right? You know, we were beating them thirty-one to three. So I, it, it can happen. I, I get. I just think Dallas is not the team that we agree. So I agree. We're we're in agreement here. There's about five teams really in the mix here. And heck, if one of those two teams gets hot at the right time, maybe they are too. But they got to get in first. So. So going back to this, going back to my first question, were you really scared about either of those two teams? Probably, you know, yeah, they're good, but no, well, I'm not scared. What do you make of what Kyle Shanahan did at the end of that game? To have the ball with under two minutes left, and you've you ran 25 seconds off the clock and gave it back to Russell Wilson, right. who has more fourth-quarter comebacks than anybody.
0: Right. Yeah, I look, I think he's a really good coach. Um I don't think that that was his finest hour.
1: Well, it's it's not his worst either because his worst was in the Super Bowl when they were up twenty eight
0: to three. Right, and as the kept, offensive coordinator, and he kept, in, and he kept throwing Atlanta. the ball. Right,
1: Matt Ryan fumble, Matt Ryan sacked knocked out of field range. So he's has a he has a propensity to do some of these things, and it's what makes him great because he's unpredictable as a play caller. Coaches will tell you around the league he he. You can't get a beat on him, right? But the fact that you can't get a beat on him—he, I mean—he goes completely outside the rules of the game sometimes on how you should negotiate game situations.
0: So let me ask you this then: before I we talk-
1: and I would have played for the tie. I, I, I would have I, not not played for the tie, but. I at least would have ran a draw or a screen or right. a first down. Get that clock rolling, then try to hit something short across the middle to get a first down. Then I'm going to try and hurry up and get my offense moving. Right. But I know in the back of my head the trump card is we are 2 games up on our on our principal division rival right now for this division championship. If we lose to them, we lose and they win. It's not just, you know, a tie, you can just throw that game out the window because they tied each other. Right. But if you lose this, you lose and they win. So right. it's, it's a double whammy. You're right. That, that to me was just, boy, even with the missed field goal and everything else, they just, they had a chance to just keep it the way it was and they didn't. So. I don't know, I, I, just, those, those are, I, I just thought the game was extremely interesting and, and fun to watch. So
0: I'm intrigued by how players, and you spent over a decade in the NFL being a player, so your experience spans maybe what would appear to me to be a shift in mentality toward aggressiveness. Matt LaFleur, for example, at the end of the first half against Carolina decides, we've got one play with two, three seconds left on the clock, I'm not going to take the field goal. We're going to try and score the touchdown here. That doesn't work as Jamal Williams gets blown up after the, the. I think, David Bakhtiari misses his assignment on that block. Gerald McCoy is a scary He's man, a very stare, good player.
1: isn't he? He's a, still a scary man. Seeing him on field level, he is a giant. He is a giant.
0: So they go with the aggressive approach there. Um, you're talking about Kyle Loved Shanahan. It. See, and that's what I want to ask you about is because... For me, and maybe for Mike McCarthy, who you played for for a long time, you know he had some aggressive moments, you know, onside kicks when you're not expecting them and that kind of thing. But he was take the points, right? I mean, yeah. that was his mentality, and, 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 and it's I, different. I, now and I, I, I have no problem
1: kids. with that mentality either. But I, 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 I will tell you a couple things behind this: uh, Matt Lafleur going for it there with one play right before halftime, with nothing guaranteed. I liked it for a couple reasons. Number one. Your team has had a pretty nice trajectory to this point in the season, and, and things have been have been going pretty well. And his message last week, going into the bye, was not rest off of what you have done and what you have accomplished so far. His message was empty the tank. That's literally his message for last week: empty the tank. And if you're going to ask your players to go out there and leave everything on the field for one game before the bye week so they can have two weeks to recover and, every, you know, you're setting it up for this grand thing, then, then you yourself have to empty the tank yep. and you yourself have to be aggressive and you yourself have to show that you're confident and you have faith in them to pick up one yard on one play. And what makes this even more it's, – it's, it's not like it was – it's not like he was really even taking a chance. It, it failed. It, and the execution was not there and it did fail. But do the homework. Carolina's rush defense is porous at best. So this was actually uh, uh, an educated move. This was a thought-out move. And this was also a move that was meant to send a message to your team that we are going to be like this. We are going to be the bullies of the
0: nfc this year do players take that absolutely what does it mean to them
1: absolutely they they know right now that their coach is in their corner that they believe he's going to kick you know tail and 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 talk trash and 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 he's just, they're going to play with that mentality so their players are going to mimic their coach's mentality and if that's his message that we're going to be the bully and we're going to do things you know a little bit reckless at times so that we can push people around i, I think the players are going to do that as well now if this was the NFC Championship and there's points there, I want you to take the points. Okay. But at this point in time <laughs> in the season, with everything else, the way that it's going, I, I liked it. Okay. I-, I really, really liked it.
0: And so, because here's my thing. When it comes to fans or players, we see it all the time, right? Right. They, they always want to either go for it or throw the challenge flag, right? How many times have we seen players wanting that? You, you're probably guilty of it during different times in your no, career, too. never. Where you you always want to go for it, right? And so it's the coach's job to kind of make the educated yeah, decision.
1: And, and like I said, this was educated. They're, they're, that, that Carolina defense is worst in the NFL at yards per carry. Right. 32nd. And it didn't get any better in this last game. Uh, that, that was just their one good play against the Packers' rush uh, the whole day.
0: So in the exact same location in the field, but a half later, on the final play of the of the game, the Panthers are in a situation where they're basically on the goal line. They need one yard to potentially tie the game. They've got to get that and the two-point conversion Which don't even start with me on the analytics of two-point conversions.
1: Well, no, 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 please. Because go there. Go there. I want to go there because I got a point to make. But go ahead and go there.
0: Why do you go? I understand the math. Two-point conversions are basically 50-50 propositions. So your theory is if I don't make it the first time, the odds tell me I'll make it the second time so I'll still end up with a tie. I don't like that. Personally, I think you take the the extra point there, and then you decide whether or not you want to go for the two point conversion and the win at the end of the game, or you want to kick the extra point and tie it if you get the touchdown.
1: Okay, so I have a couple points to make. I hope you have a second.
0: Okay. I have. I have, I have <laughs> so I think we've got just, about twenty yeah, more minutes. Just the podcast, uh, just so yeah. to
1: go off of your 50-50 proposition on two. Can point, I eat during this? Is yeah, this is sure, going to be a long. Yeah, sure. One? Okay. Just just to go off your fifty fifty proposition on a two point conversion what do you think it is to make an extra point 90%
0: more than that probably 93 94 okay
1: 93 94 what about when it's snowing and the wind is directly in your face and you saw they were struggling kicking in that direction what is it you were to down then? on the field yeah so what you does it saw. take it to then maybe 86 85 84
0: mm, i'm not sure it goes that low but i get it
1: okay okay so you get it so th- so that's that's one and number two if you feel good about your play if you feel like you've done your due diligence and you have one really, really, or maybe two really, really great two-point plays for that defense, how is that decision any different than Matt Lafleur's decision? I don't like either one half? of them, though. It's you the, like both. Yes, it's the exact same. It's telling your team, "Hey, we're coming here to win. We're coming here to take the points. We're coming here to do it." You know, emphatically. And here's the deal. It's it's mathematically, it's literally the same thing. Matt chose to dismiss the opportunity at three points for the opportunity for six points. Ron Rivera dismissed the opportunity for one point for the opportunity for two points. Literally, they are taking a chance. And they both got zero. And they both got zero. So that goes to show you. But I, I, I love that, too. Okay. Because he's telling his team, hey, you know, we don't just game plan two-point plays just in case we get stuck at the end of the game and have to get one. We game plan two-point plays because we think you guys can get two yards with this stuff.
0: So, looking back then on your career, I would have turned down your mic if you needed me to. Sorry about that. I've got that kind of. Capability. I asked if
1: you had a minute.
0: <laughs> so, you guys play a playoff game in Arizona, not the 09 one, which was an, um, one of the greatest back and forth games I've ever seen. Yeah. But the 2015 one.
1: Which was pretty darn great as well.
0: Which you're down to, you know, you lose Devontae Adams during the week mm-hmm. before that game. Uh, Randall Cobb punctures his lung during the game. Uh, Jordy Nelson, by the way, lost for the season in August. So you're doing it with James Jones, Jared Aberderis, uh, Jeff Janis. You guys get the touchdown. You can kick the extra point to force overtime or go for two. Now, Jeff Janis apparently injures his back landing on Patrick Peterson's knee after the touchdown catch. So now you're down to Abby and JJ. Mike McCarthy once told me that had he had a third receiver, he would have considered going for two there.
1: And I wonder if he'd have considered going for two Because, and only because of the human element, we had not been too successful in overtimes in the playoffs.
0: Also true, yeah. If
1: you look, I mean, he just has nightmares, just like I do, of overtime loss against the Giants, overtime loss against the uh, Cardinals, overtime loss against the Seahawks, overtime loss against the Cardinals again. So you got to switch something up. So I, I believe the human element was telling him to go for that there. I don't like that one going for two near as much as I'm okay with the first one going for two because, like you said, at least the first one you have a chance to, if you don't get it, make up for
0: it. So so he says that because he only had two wide receivers, that's what decided it for him. Had he had three wide receivers, I still don't... I... And that tells you right there he wasn't running the ball. <laughs> Right. Right, well, you put the 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 one thing I'll give to Ron Rivera, even though the play ends up not working and we'll talk about that play here in a minute, he gives the ball to his best player. I love that call too. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the game, you want the ball in the hands of your best player. If you're really, the Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers.
1: Really from the 2-yard line? With the way that last drive had gone, and and Kyle Allen, we can talk about him for a whole other podcast because he thoroughly impressed me playing in this environment here the way that he did. That last drive, he was throwing some comeback routes on the outside where he had to throw the ball before the guy even started breaking down because he couldn't get any zip on the ball because it was so slippery in his hands. It was coming out like a wounded duck. And the wind and the snow and everything, just guys were just catching them with their chest. It was was wild to watch, and it worked for 20 plays. That was a 20-play drive.
0: That was unbelievable.
1: And only stopped because they ran out of time.
0: So if you're the Packers' defense and you're looking back on that drive, and again, I'm intrigued by how that play played out, but the fact that they go 20 plays, that is the epitome of what this defense has been. Oh yeah, bend and bend and bend, <laughs> bend and bend and don't break. What I was talking—they're made to, out of elastic. I, I mean, mean they really are. They're yeah. plastic, man.
1: It's uh, but when you talk to the guys after the game, the the thing that was amazing to me was the whole front seven was playing for run. That's pretty impressive that they were out there saying we're, we're playing for run. Were they? I, I, I would challenge a little bit because they weren't lined up to play the run until the last second. Actually, the fact that they weren't lined up actually saved them on the That's play. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Because Kyler Fackrell, when he ran over at the last second, literally the last... If the Panthers snapped the ball, if they just walk up to the line and snap the ball, Christian McCaffrey walks in, wipes the snow off his shoes, and gets ready for the two-point play. Right. I, I I'm just flabbergasted that they allowed the Packers to to just barely get lined up, and because he did, Greg Van Roten had. I mean, he was just. He's his teammate. He, yeah, he just completely whiffed on on Fackrell who who ends up making the play. Any seconds earlier, literally seconds earlier, he was lined up in the wrong spot, looking at Zedarius like, "Where do you want me to go?"
0: Right. I mean, he goes from potentially being the goat. Because he's not in the right spot. Is that the a- greatest of all time? No, that's the, you screwed this up. Oh, You're that's the loser the, that ruined listen, it, goat. We don't
1: use that goat anymore. Now we use the, the goat to mean greatest of all time. You only use goat when you mean greatest now, and then, but then you you overuse it. So you and, everybody's the goat now. Yeah. So now we have all kinds of goats, but they're only good goats. We don't have bad goats anymore.
0: I want to do goat yoga. Have you seen this? Y- yeah,
1: but I don't know if... That,
0: that's, when, that's, you're that's in, when you're up in when you're up in Door County, that's a different reference. And darn it, Jason, that's not where I was going with this. You can go. Uh, you can go to what's the restaurant that's got the grass on top? Oh,
1: uh, it's it's the Nordic.
0: It's the Al Nordic, Johnson's. Al
1: Johnson's, yeah.
0: That that's you can go see the goats my, there. My,
1: are they goats? They're sheep. Those are sheep.
0: Are they? Yeah really are they wow. <laughs> I can't remember. You're the, you're the guy with the place up there right down the street from Mike this McCarthy. Is, this is going
1: in a different direction.
0: Uh, so that play, though, preserves the victory, obviously. And Kyler Fackrell goes from being the guy who would have been to blame for losing or tying the game there. We
1: don't know. And, and this is what... Did you hammer, to Patton, on... Who was misaligned there? Because we don't know, was Fackerel actually where he was, he was supposed to be? Maybe he was the one who was supposed to be? And he just said, you know what? If you're not going to go where I know you're supposed to go, I'm going to go play your position that's for you. That's a
0: good you. point. I did not ask him that. They, I see, that's
1: the stuff that happens with football. A lot of times guys get blamed for things, and it's not their fault. On film, it Tell looks... Tell us a story on, about you getting no, blamed. On yes. film, no, we're not going to talk about mine, and, and it happened twice, but we're not going to talk about him.
0: But who's counting? <laughs>
1: so many times we see somebody get beat on a play and we're like he stinks what is he doing he's not even looking well there's a reason he's not looking it's not his guy it's not who he's supposed to block it happens it happens quite a bit so I don't know
0: come on give us one
1: no I don't I don't know I, I'm not gonna go there. that's for another pod okay you want one all right, one. All right, I'll give you one. We're playing <laughs> – I can't believe you got me into this, and this is going to tick a couple people off. Great. We're playing the Oakland Raiders at home here, 2011. We're just stomping everybody the whole way through the season, and it's like 36-7 to 7 or something like that. Ridiculous. And Matt Flynn's in the game. And we come out and we got this call called Joker Stone It, which is for it's it's for a slide protection, seven man protection with two backs. And Joker Stone It basically says when the safety comes down in the box, we are now making him the will linebacker. We're going to stone it. The fullback's going to work with, you know, the center, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and so the so fullback basi- is so, you in yeah, this equation. Yeah. So, so basically, there's there's a protection, and they 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 literally said, uh, Evan Dietrich Smith said Joker Stone It. Okay. But Matt Flynn turns around and says pink and points the free safety to Ryan Grant, letting Ryan know that that's his guy. Well, if he if he pinks it to Ryan Grant, that's not the lines guy anymore. That's not Ryan Grant's guy. So the line now has the next guy in the progression, which is the will linebacker. Okay. So if he has the will linebacker and you made a pink call, now I got to take Ryan's original guy, which is the SAM, and I still have my guy, which is the Mike, so I got to keep the Mike and the SAM. Well, the Mike and the SAM don't come the will comes, runs right through the backside A-gap, and what made this so terrible was they tried to say because they made a joker stone it that that's my guy. Well, if they made a joker stone it, then that's actually the center's guy, and if they don't pink it, that's still the center's guy. So it was it was the line's guy, but it came out that it was my guy, and the line's all blocking somebody, and Ryan Grant's going back for a free safety. He's blocking somebody. Meanwhile, Matt Flynn takes a sack for a safety.
0: And you got blamed
1: oh yeah so i'm so i'm i'm the goat
0: so uh, nice well <laughs> done so w- let me ask you about a play that worked out great then because the one of my favorite plays and look i tease you about your lambo leap but you scored lots of touchdowns during your career you had a great career but my favorite play of yours
1: okay so if you're going to tease me about my lambo leap you gotta at least say i got up or the other times
0: he, he got up there. The other times <laughs> You didn't get caught in the cords because it wasn't really your fault. Uh, but I love the GIF. Um, so the me- most memorable play of yours, though, for all the things you accomplished, for me anyway, yeah. is the last game of the season in Chicago yeah. and you taking out Julius Peppers. What take us back to that game because that is you like dive across the formation to make the great play possible. Is that supposed to be your guy? Is that, like, how did you manage to do that? Because that is the most, un, that is the classic example of unsung fullback saving the day for the glorious play that results. Well, there's
1: there's an extremely, extremely long uh, explanation to this. I, I will abbreviate it, abbreviate it the best that I can. Basically, they've been running a blitz against us all game, and it's been kind of getting us and we made some adjustments. So when we came to the line, I made the adjustment based off the blitz that they had been showing us. That was not the blitz that they ran. They ran something different. So I made a bad call. The line stuck with it. Um, Evan and TJ, thank goodness, they had they were able to block three guys, just the two of them. They kind of zoned it off. And, okay. and, and, and I knew if I made this call and I was wrong, I was going to have to get the safety on the backside who was in the, the, the B-gap. What makes this so crazy is David was the only lineman to not get my call. So he was doing a a lineman technique, which is called a squeeze, which is even though you have a defensive end, if there's a guy lined up inside of you that we don't have somebody to block him, you got to squeeze and block him because you got to block the closest man to the quarterback. Okay. So David, the only guy who didn't get the call, aborts from Julius Peppers to block a free safety. Even though I was coming across for this free safety, so I kind of had my vision over there. And then there's this term that we made. It was called Pepper Scan. It was basically anytime your guy doesn't come on a strong side, and we make a blitz, or we or we make an adjustment, or we make a check. You got to peek the backside. And more times than not, you know they called it that because Joyce Peppers, Joyce Peppers, was, Peppers was, the was the most there. feared backside rusher in, in all of the league. So. So yeah, it just kind of worked like that, and I got really, really lucky to to dive across and get his legs down, and Aaron got out, and and Randall. but that was that was one of those instances where we were not doing what we were coached to do. We actually right. w- went completely all script, and it worked.
0: That's the crazy thing, though, about but that's, your but that's, game.
1: But that's what I th- yeah, and that's what makes football so great. And that's what I think happened on that last play. The Packers were not were not lined up right. The line of scrimmage for the longest time, and who knows if Kyler Fackrell even got into position where he was supposed to be? I I mean, I don't know. Is is Kyler Fackrell rushing from a one technique? Because that's where he ended up, and normally that's a big guy on a two-yard line
0: where maybe one of the Smiths is supposed to be the guy there, and he was actually in the right spot to begin with. Yeah, and that other guy didn't move. Well, it was it was a huge, huge play. The Packers improved to eight and two as a result of it. How do you feel about where this team is at overall? We talked a little bit at the beginning of the podcast about you know which teams do you fear. I don't know if with the explosive plays the defense is giving up and the the struggles against the run, if other teams are looking at the Packers going, well, I'm not really that afraid of them either. I'm afraid of Aaron Rodgers maybe, or I'm afraid of Aaron Jones. But I don't know if there's that same fear, just like we don't see that fear about the Seahawks or the
1: 49ers. You know what's crazy is I I don't you can't take anything away from this Green Bay Packers team that is at 8 and 2. But w- when you look at them, they, they didn't hide their warts for the first 10 weeks. Right. Like we we know where they're lacking right. at times. And and teams are definitely looking at that like when we play the Packers, this is going to be our approach and this is what we're going to do. Now, Green Bay is extremely successful when they follow a little bit of a checklist, and that is when they get a turnover or two on defense, when they're able to hold teams to field goals, and when their offense protects the football, and scores touchdowns on offense. Now that seems like a long checklist, right. but so far they've done that. Right. Because they're eighth in the league in red zone. They're they're third or fourth in the league at creating turnovers. And they're third in the league in protecting the football and scoring touchdowns in the red zone when they're on offense. So they have checked those boxes right. more times than not. If they continue to check those boxes, then they'll win. You know, I I don't see them as a team that's gonna go out there and scare the, uh, the pants off of whoever's coming in here that they're just going to win by, by walking on the field. But they have proven that they can play this style of football with this identity, with this bend and bend a little more but don't break mentality on defense, and then just be really efficient on offense in game situations.
0: So the thing that makes me wonder if it's sustainable defensively And I I use an offensive example to show how one game in the playoffs can just go sideways on you. And I use the 2011 15-1 team that loses at home to the Giants, and you guys lose three fumbles on offense. And you had lost three fumbles on offense the entire yeah. year. Yeah,
1: well, let me just – that's thats a box. Right? That's one of the boxes I And say.
0: that's the thing is that's... that it just – the formula of our defense has to get takeaways and our offense has to not turn the ball over. Look, first of all, turnovers decide a lot of games in the NFL. Yes. That's not exclusive to yeah. the Packers. Yeah. But the Packers have lost two games this year, and in both of those games, they failed to generate a takeaway. Yeah. And that would seem to be the recipe – that hey, you come in. You have to face the Packers. If you don't turn the ball over, you give yourself a significantly better that's, chance. And, and of that's being... what.
1: And that's that's all I was going to say is when I go to it, I think a team with a good quarterback, or at least a capable quarterback, and a good run game, and they don't turn the ball over, that team is going to be at the end of the game neck and neck with the
0: Packers. Right.
1: That's 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 the problem that's what I that's what I fear that's 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 my that's what keeps me up at night when I think about the Packers playing in the playoffs
0: so since it's the bye week and we won't focus more on San Francisco other than the conversation we had about their Monday night game take us through some of your bye weeks both in terms of as a player and then what you saw coaches do during it When you came back, let's start with that because we know, you know, we just talked to the coaches, uh, the assistant coaches in the hallway uh, a little bit earlier today. Those guys are doing the self-scout thing. Mike McCarthy used to call it across the hall. Um, They're spending several days here on that before they get their time off. When you guys would come back as players off of the bye, rested and rejuvenated and hopefully a little bit healthier, what would the coaches have waiting for you?
1: Well, normally you'd have a first thoughts kind of practice. They would share sometimes, not even all the time, they would share some of the self scout information that they that they gathered and that they received them. So people are probably out there, what's self scout? Well self scout is not offensive coaches true self scout is not offensive coaches looking at offensive films saying, Hey, we got these tendencies. The true the true self scout is when our defensive coaches look at our offense Watch the TV copy, get our calls, get our points, get some of our signals, and they create a game plan for our offense. Oh wow. And then our defense or our offense does the same thing, watches our defensive film, gets our calls, gets our read, gets our tendencies, and creates an offensive game plan for our defense. Now, a little bit of that gets tweaked and adjusted because you gotta do what you're good at. So that's that's null and void based off of your offense and your defense. But when you get these tendencies, when you get these reads, when you get these areas that you're going to attack, those are so vital for the other side of the football to know. And sometimes I mean a lot of times they kind of know, but sometimes they don't. And it's an eye opening effect where they say, Oh, well, that's something we're gonna have to figure out and we're right. gonna have to come and every now and then You'd get back and you would hear something that came from the self scout, and you'd be like, Yeah, it's funny you guys didn't know that because we knew that the whole
0: time. (laughs) Right. So, but you said you you made a comment earlier about the Packers that they haven't hidden their warts, that everyone knows them. So, it's not like you need to go into the self scout and say, We need to stop the run more effectively. We need to stop the uh, explosive plays. But it's figuring out how to do that that comes out of it.
1: Yeah. Now, I will say there, there are some things. There, there, are, there are a few things that, even though the Packers have, have shown their their inability to really just line up and say, you are not going to run against us through 10 games, there, there are some other things there, too. There are, there are some other things on, on defense, too, mm-hmm. that, that will catch probably some people off guard because they are just looking at the run. Problem that the, that our defense is having right, right now, and they're saying, "What?" And they're focused so much on that, and that's all they see. That there might be one or two other things out there that that really are, are eye popping. And they're like, "Oh well, yeah, I mean, we kind of saw that, but we just did this, and it's, and you know, and and maybe it's because of this, and that's when whoever is making the final call in this self scout, they go, well it's it's got to change,' and, and this is how we're going to change it.
0: So um, I remember famously. Um one of your... I I guess you guys didn't actually cross over. I'm sure you've crossed over during your uh, alumni gatherings, but Marco Rivera was a longtime Packers guard, went to three Pro Bowls, and then he went to Dallas, and my favorite thing about Marco was that he was among the people, along with Jason Witten, who went on that playoff bi-week road trip with Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo to Cancun or wherever they went. Yeah, that was
1: great. That was great. So...
0: I'm wondering so Aaron Rodgers is off on his bye week and yep. so is everybody else. Devontae Adams told us he's staying in town. He and his wife have a new baby and mm-hmm. they're just it's easier that way. But most of the guys get out of here. Oh yeah. Where'd you go for your buys? Now
1: I will say when the playoffs came around, I didn't go anywhere. I'm right. sticking here and I'm I'm I might watch. Actually, I would watch the playoff games from the bye week in the playoffs. But during the regular season, I, I'm getting out for right. the bye. Uh, most times, I went down to Chicago. Short drive. My wife and I used to love just kicking it down there. And you know, even when you have kids, that's that's a great place to be. Agreed. So, so we went to Chicago a lot. And our buys a lot of times were early in the season, so it wasn't freezing cold down there. But there was a few times when I did. We did get out, and we did go to a beach or somewhere and just kind of relax for a few days, a a long weekend, three, four days, and come back on like a Sunday afternoon and get ready for that practice on Monday.
0: So as avid podcast listeners to the John Kuhn podcast know, you've talked before about that feeling you get as you're coming off of like summer vacation, right? And July 4th is like the marker for you. Are you able to put that aside during the bye week because you've been working your butt off for, in the Packers' case, 10 weeks now? Are you able to enjoy that break, or is it a little bit like that where you're still kind of football's still clicking around? In
1: football's your clicking in your head the whole time. You can enjoy yourself because by about the bye week, it's not like you had six months off like you do in the off right. season. you have a week off. Not even most times you don't even have a week. Right, you know they make you come in on Monday. A lot of coaches will make you come in on Tuesday too. So I've heard some even practice on Wednesday instead of Monday. Well, whatever. So uh, your football is definitely on your mind, especially if you go into a buy on a loss or a personal bad performance in the game even though you won and you're kind of bothered by it. You know what yeah. we say, you know, the the hardest thing about fo- the greatest thing about football is when you win, you get to hear how great you are for a week. The worst thing about football is when you lose or play bad, you get to hear about how bad you are for a week. Right Now you get to hear it and think it for two, for weeks. two weeks. It's like, "Thanks, bye."
0: So, did so Aaron Rodgers never took you anywhere exotic?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm I did those are personal man. You
0: know, uh, we, 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 yeah, we
1: I mean we kicked it. He's listen, he was a great teammate and uh and, and he's a great teammate to these guys and we took a we took a bi week trip one year. It was it was a heck of a lot of fun, but I'm not gonna go into the details of
0: that one. Hey, it's your podcast. You yeah. can do whatever you want. Yeah. I'm just here to put you on the spot. Maybe someday I will, but so, not this. So week. do these How much value is there in it before we wrap things up? How much value is there in it for these guys this week? Because, as you mentioned, gosh, there were some years where you had like a buy in week four or week five, and now it's... amazing
1: to me. And and those years, we had it in week four and week five. We needed it then because we were completely decimated. Right now, this team is 10 weeks into the season, and, and who do we have? Robert Tanyan is still hurt, unfortunately. Hope we get him back soon, but... Who else?
0: That's it. That's basically the it's list. It's
1: unbelievable the luck with injuries that we've had. Knock on wood. Let's hope this stays and keeps going because you got a bye week here to get healthy, and shoot. I mean, I don't know if we can get much healthier right. than we
0: are. So that health aspect that makes it even more important to capitalize on the position that you've put your team in. Right?
1: You have to because the my biggest takeaway for, from the other night. When I watched San Francisco and Seattle, was Tyler Lockett? He might be lost for the season. You know, the, right. the, the the 49ers center. He might he might be done for a season. And they just got
0: their tackles back.
1: They just got their tackles back. They didn't perform that great because they were a little rusty first game back. And Jadavion Clowney is from Mars, and their center. Their center, he he looks like he's out. Kittle, Manuel Sanders there. Like these other teams are losing stars. Right. And we are healthy. This is this is our time. Adam Thielen in Minnesota, he can't quite stay on the field. It's it's wild. It's just you get that you get that really nice feeling when you start looking at some of these things that are going on with the Packers this year. Like, yeah, things are things are kind of aligning. looking. Yeah, they're aligning. I mean we we've we've had some calls go against us, but we've had some really important calls. Go for us. Right. We, we had we had some really important bounces of the ball go our way, and we're healthy. Those are like the three biggest things you need. You need a little bit of luck. You need to have good stars, and you need to play healthy.
0: Well, it's the bye week, but it's not the bye week for the John Kuhn podcast.
1: No, we still we still bring this baby out.
0: We will do it again next week as we will focus more on the 49ers as the Packers get ready. Uh, As we're recording this uh, on Tuesday afternoon, they have not yet announced whether that game will be flexed to Sunday night. Well,
1: I don't think they can flex it to Sunday night. It would be tough because they say – Now, I would bet that Fox would be okay with it, because Fox has both that game and the Cowboys-Patriots.
0: Yeah, that's a big one.
1: But I'm sure the Fox would rather have the Packers-49ers. You think so? I think they would. Don't you? I don't
0: know. Uh,
1: Cowboys-Patriots pretty big, too. I, I think Fox would be okay with it, but... I think the Sunday night game that week is uh, Seattle-Philadelphia.
0: Which is also a good game. Which is a
1: good game, but, you know, they say they only flex out of a bad game. They don't flex into a good game. So we'll find out if the NFL is truthful in that mm. manner
0: or not. Well, we will find out in a uh, not-too-distant future. We'll also be back with the next John Kuhn podcast in the not-too-distant future. Episode 6 in the books. We made it! Week seven, straight ahead. Thanks a lot. Enjoy.